Welcome to OpTech Insights, where we talk operational excellence, the nerdy tech stuff that drives business, makes workforces effective, and keeps supply chains moving. It might not be sexy, but it sure as hell matters. Your host is Todd Greenwald, third coast surfer by weekend and supply chain tech wizard during the week. With guests and content from every industry, get ready for insights that could transform your operations. It's OpTech Insights. Welcome to OpTech Insights. This is your host, Todd. Today, I am joined by DLL's Vice President of Global Strategic Marketing, Brian Spence. Hey, Brian. Thanks for joining me today. Glad to have you on the show. Hi, Todd. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Brian. So today, we're going to be talking, everybody, about technology acquisition and services and different ways of approaching the actual finance aspect of that to get things done uh, that are needed within the business. Um, I think it might be best to start a little bit about some background on DLL and how you're helping businesses work through financing. So uh, Todd, DLL Group is a uh, company that is focused solely on equipment and software finance. Uh, We are a global company that is in 32 countries and we work with manufacturers, distributors and dealers to help them offer payment options to their customers to acquire their technology or other equipment. Is there timing when financing is better than others or anything that has to do with the climate? Because it seems like there's an increase in in this type of approach. It's interesting because the the equipment and software financing market is, is over the years become a barometer for how the economy is doing. Uh, there's about two trillion dollars worth of capital goods and software sold each year in the U.S. And believe it or not, about a Jeez. trillion of that is That's a financed. Lot. <laughs> That's a lot. It, it is a lot. So um, you know, it's interesting when I'm at parties telling people what I do, they really don't understand <laughs> what I do. But it's I'm part of a trillion dollar industry. Yeah, God, it's right. Nice. And so, Crazy. if you uh, if you think about capital goods that are sold equipment and software, you know, you think of transportation equipment, over the road trucks, buses, you know, like uh, construction equipment, ag equipment, manufacturing equipment, medical equipment, CTs, MRIs, ultrasound machines, um, forklifts, copiers. You know, every company has a copier, at least when everybody was in the office, they all had copiers and the majority of those are sold on lease. Um, Energy equipment, you know, all the different types of asset classes. and interestingly enough, though, you think probably transportation or construction equipment is the, the largest segment of the trillion-dollar industry, but it's actually IT equipment. Really? About 23, huh. 23.5% of um, the assets at trillion dollars is made up of IT equipment and software. So it's such a vast market. It sounds like it. You know, I was wondering, is there certain types of technology that's commonly being financed by DL Group for, for these businesses? The largest user of financing uh, for equipment is services-based businesses. So that ranges from you know uh, law firms to accounting firms, everything and everything in between. And so they have different IT needs, right? So if you look at um, what's what's in those offices, you've got servers, you've got storage, you've got computer devices, you've got software, you've got copiers. Um, or multifunction devices. And so companies uh, tend to finance all of those different things. But believe it or not, the number one most financed asset in the tech space is software. 
not every lender does it because it is higher risk, right? There is not an asset to uh, to repossess or remarket in the event of a default. But software is so business essential to companies. Um, and that's what we look for as part of our decision-making criteria. And if you look at how companies acquire software, right, it's now it was perpetual licenses with maintenance, and now it is more term license. And a lot of times a software provider will give a discount for locking into multi-year agreements. And so they charge you for three years up front, but you don't have the budget to pay for the three years up front. So Financing allows you to spread for the cost of the asset over the term of the contract and improve your cash flow. And can you explain like how it works for a full like solution kind of a thing, like maybe in network or uh, RFID solution or or whatnot, where you have multiple aspects? Yes, you have the hardware, and yes, you have the software, but you also have things like design and cabling services uh, that are going to be needed to help help implement cabling for this solution. Um, but how does that work? What's what's that like then in order to harness a way of making all that come together? Yeah, customers are buying outcomes these days, right? It's the, the hardware, the software, that's the conduit to get you there. But um, they're buying outcomes and the outcome is driven by the solution. And so the solution is comprised of hardware, software, maybe cabling, installation, design services, training. Uh, there may be some some cloud services in there. So it's the complete solution. And what the customer is generally looking for is to take all of those components, wrap it up into a monthly, quarterly, or annual payment to align with their ultimate either cash flow, budgetary, or technology obsolescence objectives. And Todd, uh, recently IDC did a, a survey of IT decision makers and being able to bundle the entire solution into a financing or a lease was the most important thing uh, in the lease versus buy decision okay. process. Okay. Um, you know, I guess I'm kind of curious then, you know, what are some of the different types of financing that's available then to customers and the different types of solutions and technology that they're buying? There's really two options. There's either a capital lease or a true lease. And a capital lease or a loan is effectively you make your monthly payment or quarterly payment or annual payment. And at the end of the term, you own the product, right? Or you own the solution. Uh, on a true lease, we take a residual position in the asset. So we have a, um, a risk in the ownership of the asset. We're the owner of the asset during the term of the contract, and we take a residual position. And the benefit of that for the customer is, one, it provides them a lower monthly payment than if they were to finance it, or the aggregate of the payments is generally less than the purchase price. Got it. So the customer gets a low monthly payment, and then at the end of the contract term, they either can uh, continue to rent it on a month to month basis. Okay. Return it. And there's two options on returning it. It's either return it or return it and upgrade it to new technology, which is the most common, right? So if yeah. you have uh, barcode scanners, you need them. You're not just going to return them. You're going to upgrade them and then return the old ones. Um, or the last option, which is probably the, the least frequently used 
in a true lease is uh, they purchase it at the end of the term. Got it. And yeah. more commonly in the U.S., that type of lease is called a fair market value lease. And the purchase price at the end of the term is the fair market value at that time. Okay. So that would be established at the time of the end of the contract or it's nearing. Uh, at the end of the contract. Yep. There, there is one variation of that. It's called a fixed price purchase option. And in a fixed price purchase option, uh, all the same benefits of a fair market value lease, lower payment, ability to rent it on a month-to-month basis at the end of the term, ability to upgrade it. And then if there is the desire to purchase it at the end of the term, it's at a fixed price. So it's like a car lease, right? Um, you know, you, you get your BMW M5 or whatever it may be. And I'll at the end of, of the term, it's worth, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's worth, you know, uh, still worth $40,000. And, right. you know, that's if you want to buy it, that's what you have to pay. And how does a decision maker at the business decide which one they're going to use or what's which approach are they going to use? Is it is there a common one or what's that kind of look like, I guess? It it depends on it depends on the asset and the customer's objectives. Okay. So we talked a little bit about software earlier. Software is always on a capital capital lease or a loan structure because there is no value to it at the end of the term. Um, and so it's just a cash flow or budgetary play. Um, but for hardware devices, printers, um, stuff that gets used and abused and ha- you know, needs to be upgraded every so often, you see more of those on a true lease structure. Got it. Okay. You know, so I was thinking like we might have folks that are listening right now going, well, I'm just not really used. To, I'm just used to acquiring the technology, do the purchase. Here's a purchase order. Pay for the pay for that up front. All good. Um, and that's fine. But, you know, what are some of the benefits that you can maybe highlight about about some of the different um, financing services that DLL provides? Or, uh, you know, just what are the benefits of maybe just thinking a little bit differently about that acquisition? I think the, the most common or the, the most pronounced benefit is they don't have to outlay cash that they have on hand, yeah. nor do they touch their bank line. Right, if they have a bank line and credit in place, so they can deploy their capital that they have for revenue generating activities or other investments within the business, maybe some M and A or whatever it may be, and they don't have to tie up their bank line. That you know, we saw during the recession, for example, when banks ratcheted down bank lines, you know, they became a prized possession. Yeah, and so this gives you an, an alternate line of credit effectively to invest in in technology to run your business. Now, I know some businesses that we interact with um, sometimes may have some, let's call it either seasonality kind of components or maybe even just like uh, not an expected need um, and all of a sudden they need to do something. Um, you know, anything to share around that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the very common structures that we put together and it's bespoke to what the customer's requirements are is uh, a seasonal payment structure. So um, they may have slower periods in the year where revenue is down because of the seasonality in their business. So a lot of times we will align their payments to that seasonal cash flow. So, so kind of wait, them go up and, wait them to the yep. heavier. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I never heard yeah. that before. Um, yeah. So if, you know, seasonal cash flow 
winter months are better, payments are higher, summer months, less revenue comes in, payments are lower. Interesting. That's, that's pretty cool. I actually have not heard anything like that before. Um, the one thing I was thinking about as well is around, um, let's call it like a unplanned need or requirement. Maybe a customer is pushing for a specific uh, mandate or compliance need, and you need to implement some type of a solution in order to help uh, be in line or maybe to earn some new business. It's just an unplanned type of a solution need uh, that was not maybe necessarily budgeted for just maybe a cash purchase type of a scenario. Yeah, absolutely. That is um, probably one of the most common reasons that companies choose to to finance, uh, aside from technology, avoiding technology obsolescence, is to um, match the investment with their budgetary cycles. Right. So a lot of times towards the end of the year, the IT budget is depleted and they need to get some new technology. So we'll see requests for, you know, can I get it today and not start making any payments until the beginning of next year? Right. So we'll defer the start of the contract or start of the payments until the the next fiscal year. Or we see um, step structures where maybe they have a few dollars left in the IT budget for the remainder of the year. So they need to spend that or else they'll lose it the following year. So we'll create low monthly payments in the beginning of the contract, and then they'll ramp up when when the budget's available. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, you see it a lot um, in in different assets, but like, you know, for, for example, uh, software security, security okay. licenses, yeah. right? So um, they may be looking to switch providers or upgrade or... Um, whatever it may be, and the, the the need for the new license, if they were to pay for it outright, they may have overlap with their existing licenses, right? So you have the ability to um, defer the payments until the the new, new license term starts. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, you know, one kind of shifting gears slightly is to a business that you know maybe they've considered before using some type of a financing mechanism or, uh, you know, someone's, someone has kind of been enlightened a little bit today to listening to and, and, and some of the options, but what would you say some of the considerations those decision makers should be looking at as they're evaluating different kind of financial, financial providers and, and the options that are on the table from each of them? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, just understanding what options are available, having someone to talk to who can provide uh, or takes a consultative approach to understanding what the outcome that they are uh, looking for and matching the right payment solution to that. Uh, there's a lot of lenders out there. There's there's banks, there's independent finance companies, there's brokers. So you know, one of the things you may want to consider is, um, will the lender be selling the loan or keeping the loan? Because that could have an impact on the administration of the loan. And the, um, the other thing that's becoming more and more important to companies uh, is um, what is or what are the capabilities outside of the U.S.? Okay. Right? So, yeah. um, 
Yeah. So if, if you're a uh, business, you know, you have warehouses in the States and warehouses in Canada and down in Mexico, can they provide local financing to support the equipment requirements in those countries? Uh, it used to be that lenders would um, just kind of turn a blind eye to stuff that was being shipped outside of the U.S., but uh, compliance, regulatory, and probably the most important is tax or VAT considerations. Yeah. Um, companies have done that and now they're saying, no, we need to do a financing local in country because of the tax and the VAT requirements. Okay. So, you know, do you have ambition to go outside of the U S and support your, your local offices with financing from the same provider with same, the same generalized terms. Now I know something that sometimes can be overlooked is around the technology and what you're buying and the asset visibility to, to not necessarily system wise, but, but uh, financially and how it's aligned to maybe different business units or or maybe facilities within the the business operation, um, but I know DLL has some really great tools um, that others should be thinking about when they're considering looking into. Well, who could be a partner or provider to me to help me? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. There's a few considerations uh, that you should be looking at when when choosing a finance provider if that is one of your objectives to have a better management of your uh, technology assets. Um, one is just from an invoicing standpoint, right? Can the invoicing be consolidated or can you have individual invoices depending upon contract or lease schedule? If you go into a okay. master lease contract, right? Can I consolidate all the invoices and is that what I want? Or do I want individual invoices yeah. depending upon, depending upon lease schedule? Um, do I need the cost center broken out on the invoices? So these five invoices apply to this cost center. These five invoices apply to this cost center. Um, so I can do proper recording internally. Okay. Do I need to, do I use a, an Ariba or Coupa for AP? Do I need them to build directly into that? So the administration is handled by, by that platform. Right. So those are those are some considerations that you need to think about as well, because you're going to have 24, 36, 48, 60 payments. <laughs> you know, the next two to five years, you're going to be uh, working with the financing provider and you want that process to be seamless and you want to be able to reconcile whatever you need to reconcile within your your asset management strategy. OK, the other thing that we've invested heavily in uh, over the past few years is a customer asset portal. So where the customer has complete visibility to all of the financing assets by serial number, by location, by cost center, whatever it may be, so they can track their assets and have better management of what's not only what's on lease with us, but we actually allow them to upload their own assets that are either oh. out owned outright or leased through other third parties into the oh, platform that's nice. as well. That's cool. Yeah, because you know we we recognize that we're not going to be the only lender in in their pool of lenders with when it, when it comes to their technology assets. They may finance stuff through a manufacturer's captive, or they may do some stuff through their bank. But we want to give them one centralized repository to look and manage their their complete fleet of assets. Okay. 
Um, is there any kind of last considerations or things that folks should be thinking about that, again, maybe they just not top of mind uh, that someone like DLL um, brings to the table in the advantages and the, the services that, that come with working together with you? Yeah, I think the, the last thing, and it's becoming more and more prevalent, um, is sustainability and security, right? So um, if you think about what the outcome of uh, leasing equipment, the idea is to use it and then somebody else will use it for a second life. Okay. So you have the sustainability uh, approach to it, whereby at the end of the term, the lender takes it back. And if it's resellable, they will resell it in the secondary market. And if it's not, it will be recycled. So it's dealt with in a sustainable, uh, sustainable manner. And you have to consider that there is either proprietary or confidential data on much of this equipment now. So it's even more important these days, right? So it's, it's exactly, yeah. exactly. So we have, um, uh, we have started providing ITAD services, ITS at disposal services that have uh, data erasure included. Okay. Right. So at the end of the contract term, we will either send boxes out or do white glove return service, pack package the stuff up, bring it back, data sanitize it, and then it goes into the secondary market. Interesting. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah and it's become more and more important to customers because, you know, and I know you've seen this because you've been doing this a long time, either there's stuff sitting in the corner of a warehouse yeah, that's old technology, or there's some closet somewhere that's chock full of uh, technology that nobody knows what to do with. You can't, you know, nobody's got the time to go recycle it. But it's I don't want to throw that data the, on it. Throw in a recycling center or whatever, because I don't know what's going to happen with it, right? I mean, who knows where exactly. that goes. So, exactly. So this is a way to manage to that. Well, hey, man, thanks so much for joining us, Brian. Uh, this has been great. I've been learned a lot. Yeah, no, Todd. Yeah. First off, thank you very much for inviting me on today. This totally. was fantastic. Um, yeah, I think that uh, if a customer is looking to explore this as a new strategy or maybe um, – looking to make some changes to their existing strategy, mm. we'd encourage them just to reach out and we'll talk to them. And if it's the right option, we can put the solution in place for them. And if not, then, then no harm, no foul. I think yeah. that, um, you know, if you look at the data, most businesses, I think it's seven out of 10 finance, some or all of their equipment. So, um, it's about coming up with the right solution to meet the customer's needs and ultimately get them the right outcome that they're looking for. So we're here to provide that support to, to your customers. Oh, that's perfect. And it's kind of funny cause I know right now we're on a, we're on audio, but, but Brian and I, I'm like looking over his head right now, which I'm, I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan. So he does have the believe sign right above his head uh, in the background. So I love that. I know we talked about that months yep. ago, but, uh, but uh, any of those Ted Lasso fans here, it's get ready. Cause I think we got another season coming soon. So, but uh, <laughs> so. looking forward to it. Well, thanks so much, Brian, for joining me today on Optech insights for all of our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we do have some upcoming episodes coming up right behind this and would uh, love for you to give us any ideas on things you're listening to hear more about. Until then, we'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Optech Insights.